excited, humbled, inspired, anxious, hopeful, energized, nervous, trellis education, enacting the gold standard in STEM teacher preparation and support. Engaging. Super fresh. Intrigued. Ready to go. Welcome to the first North of the Golden Gate Bay Area Trellis Podcast. I'm John Southam. The conversation you're about to hear is one that Mimi Summer, Eric Brockway, Krista McAtee, and I had about mentoring politics and funding. Now, this conversation started as a conversation about what our podcast conversation would be about. But as we were talking, it just turned into a, a useful, informative discussion. So in the middle of it, I just hit record. So enjoy. And also at the end, there is a little treat for you too. So enjoy that as well. First, in the introduction, in Greatness by Design, it talks about nations that currently lead the world in international rankings of student achievement, such as Finland, South Korea, and Singapore, attribute their success to substantial investments in teacher and school leadership preparation and development. And then they have um, five criteria for that universal high-quality teacher education that's paid for by the state or the, or the country, um, mentoring for all beginning teachers, ongoing professional development, um, professional learning that's embedded, like 15 to 25 hours a week of planning and collaborating, teacher leadership opportunities, and equitable competitive salaries. You know, it's so, so funny that they can do that, but if you take a look, they chop out a lot, like Singapore, for example. If you don't make... The cut before the their, uh, the three tests, you go across the river. Yeah. Okay. So what does that, that mean? Yeah. So okay. What does so, across the river mean? You're uh, out to the factories. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So they're well, very they're, they're very, very regi- So they're yeah. selective. So all that's where all their extra cost goes. Here we're still paying for those. We I have right now I have four adults in one class. We have paying all these people to follow these kids around that just won't pay attention. Oh, the instructional assistants. Instructional assistants. Yeah, they don't have that, so they can pay for all of that. So that's what I'm saying. It's right. kind of hard to really compare. But that's just my little tidbit. Yeah. But the other, there. yes. Um, I'm saying because there's... But if we keep the focus of how do we train, mentor, and retain new teachers, that's not that's not directly related to that That totally question. isn't. No, but it's But it's important. Costs. Yeah. It's costs. It's like, where is, where is this cost come from because we're, we're paying this exorbitant amount per per student right. and like there's a Why lot of pushbacks like hey there's like there's all this cost in education where is it going well and we also know like the other piece na- nationwide it's estimated that uh 50% of teachers leave the profession within the first five years especially in urban and rural districts and um and it's talking about like specifically with California being the, the like the strongest economy, one of the strongest economies like California as one of the bigger economies in the world, and yet we're still paying we're still supporting education like we're one of the lowest per students spending in the nation. On students or on teacher prep? Well the way they no, just per student spending. So they break it down for what goes, what money, how much money gets spent 
as a whole, and they cut that up into per student. on the students in the classroom, though. No, but no, but that means your salary is part of per student. No, I understand, but, but they're talking about the per student spending, not the not the teacher preparation spending. I'm just establishing which one we're talking about. I'm talking about once, yes, okay, in a class once okay. once teachers students. have been trained. Okay, student teachers have been trained and are working. Okay, so once the teacher gets there, yeah, yeah. Where is this? And this is on... Though, in the article that I read, even though the nation rate is 50% dropout, California is 20%. But it depends on the schools. Because well, yeah. um, this is talking about, yeah, this, according to this article, it says 30% of beginning teachers leave the profession within the first five years, and the proportion reaches to 50% or more in urban and rural districts. <laughs> so if you're not in suburbia. Yeah. You're a better chance of staying in there. Mm-hmm. Does it say anything about why that's the case, or just it's a tougher environment? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's my gut instinct is that it's hard. It's more challenging. Yeah, and I think that they're. I mean, and also there's that whole thing about where newest teachers are given the worst assignments, and there's no incentive to the to the veteran teachers to stay in challenges that are presented. Okay. Oh, there. In the article, right. with like here are the challenges and here are some suggested fixes. Mm-hmm. So, between this that article and this article, we might have something to say okay. about it. So, is there is there a challenge or addressing the challenge that has is specifically to do with mentoring? Um, yes, and also um, induction. Okay, where's that? Okay, so challenge one talks about how California is one of the only states in the nation where. You get your undergraduate degree, and then you get your teaching credential afterward. Hmm. And so um, that makes that actually makes the programs difficult for the subject matter hmm. to communicate with the credentialing part of a university because they're so separate. And so, um, and that came from turns out came from the Fisher Act of 1961. Fisher. But when, and it was because, so, but, but what's happening is that there are some, some universities in California that are starting to be, create some workarounds about that. Um, so, and they're called blended programs and they're strong, but as of right this moment, they're very small. Um, small, how small, like small as in only having 20 people. Mm. Is uh, Sonoma State, do they have a blended program where you get your bachelor's in, or is that something completely different? Different. Okay. No, but, for example, UC Irvine's CalTeach program um, finish it allows um, students to be in the STEM major, but it's a five-year, I think, I'm not sure if that one's a five-year I'm not sure, but the CalTeach program is one of the the model examples mm-hmm. in the article. But the idea is to have a five year. The best idea is to have a five year blended program, so that it's got the five year timeline that would ensure that the teachers get the content in science or math, but they also get the um, methods courses for um, how to teach. Isn't that like getting a Bachelor's in math education because I know uh, Chico does that. I work with some people who did, um, they got their bachelor's in math ed. They took, and so they get exactly what you said. 
But I don't know if it's the same. But they didn't come out with their credential. Hmm. See. Or did they? They pro- They might have. They might have been one of the one of the blended programs. That could be. So Go that's Chico. so that's one of the issues. Was there anything in that article that I was just that talked about that part of it? Um, not that I remember. Okay. And then, so challenge two was to improve the oversight of teacher preparation. That's the thing we were talking about where um, BITSA isn't done with fidelity or it's interpreted so differently from district to district that it's inconsistent. That's one part of it. Um, They said that student teaching, the experience in the classroom under the guidance of a qualified mentor, lies at the heart of the teacher preparation enterprise, but there's no state oversight. And in fact, there's no um, statewide requirement about how many hours of student teaching there has to be. It's up to the credential program. So there's, yep, so there's this huge range. When they did this, when EdSource did the survey, they said half of the credentialing programs in California require between 400 and 599 hours, but the range is from 135 to 1,600 hours. Wow. That's huge. Mm -hmm. I can't see it in the podcast, but my eyebrows are really high. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and so the idea from this EdSource article is to come up with um, more consistent oversight and, and actual stated requirements. Um. But it also said that some of the best programs in the state are the programs that um, have districts really in partnership with universities, so that the teacher, so the districts are growing their own teachers. Hmm. Um, and state. yeah, and also um, providing training stipends and release times to train the mentors. Hmm. Which is what we're doing with Travis. Yay. Yeah. Yay. I wonder if Megan's read this. <laughs> <laughs> First one was, um, dedicated funding for new teacher mentoring appears to have been permanently abolished under local control funding formula. Um, so it says um, later on, it says more than half of school districts have diverted money away from the BITSA program. Mm. And that's why we were talking about like the lack in the lack of um, the lack of consistency and then there's Ellen I'm going to butcher the last name Ellen Moyer of the new teacher center she thinks there should be a uniform fee across the street that every teacher pays so there's not an inequity thing every teacher pays like 250 to 500 for BITSA for BITSA but and that I way everyone that, pays it. I would argue that new teachers have gone through enough to become <laughs> teachers. Why should they have to pay to have a mentor? Like, like school districts and the state should be responsible for making sure that we're supporting new teachers. See, I'm not sure if teachers really get the full disclosure of all the hoops you have to break through. I have to go through. You mean that's get some mentors? No, uh, if you're no, in uh, general. if you're going to get your credential, well, what exactly do you need to do? become a teacher and uh, there's a lot of little hoops that they don't tell you about you're like oh okay yeah you get a couple more it's like when you want to buy a house you gotta <laughs> right. do all this stuff 
But one of the so one of the hoops that you're talking about is the is BITSA because a an induction program is still required in order to get your clear credential. Yeah. So even though BITSA funding has been the mandate for bits of funding has been removed. It's essentially become an unfunded mandate because new teachers still have to do it. And so then the woman you were referring to was suggesting as the stopgap. Um, everyone pays. That everyone pays a yeah. bit. But, I mean, I agree with Krista that that shouldn't be the requirement of the new teachers. But at least if, if, if there isn't any funding being allocated, at least it's a little bit more equitable where some teachers have to – everybody has to pay a bit instead of some teachers paying nothing and some teachers paying $2,000. And yet another hoop to jump through. And something that uh, Linda Darling-Hammond noted is that only one quarter of bits of funds are spent on mentors, which is the key wow. The key part. What's the rest of it spent on? Paperwork. What's the rest of it? Facilitators? So facilitators, paperwork. The snacks, maybe. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, and in fact, in the article, one of the things that they're saying as the solution to the challenge of needing to strengthen new teacher support mm-hmm. is to restore funding to BITSA and, like you were saying, refocus it to be about mentoring, not pa- not paperwork. Yeah, where does a one... I mean, how does three-quarters of the budget go towards... Something I can't. That's that seems something besides a mentor. That seems yeah. odd. Yeah. And maybe that's just that's bureaucracy just at work. Well, yeah, I think the article does say it's bureaucracy at work, but also the woman who started it at what was it UC Santa Cruz? I mean, what you were saying earlier, where Ellen it Moore. was yeah, where it was originally an exemplary program because it was one of the first to start. It actually didn't. It didn't evolve enough, I think, is the problem, and it's just become too much of paperwork and too much repetition of, of the credentialing programs that that new teachers come out having learned at their universities. But what they really need to be doing with BITSA is providing much more mentoring opportunity. So you're saying it was started with noble intentions but just got wrapped up in... Well, in paperwork and, paperwork. and bureaucracy. Yes. I think another big piece of it is the lack of training of bits of mentors also. Like, you know, basically it's whoever, will you please, 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 you know, whoever will sign up. And, it, you know, it's not a matter of, you know, right. first of all, whether you're the same content or grade level or anything else, that part isn't all, is often not a piece of it. And secondly, whether you have, you know, the training to support a, a mentor teacher, are they setting specific goals that, you know, that are in the interest of the teacher to work on or are they um, you know is it is it just filling up filling up paperwork and you know it's you know it says you know it when it when it becomes just uh, something you have to do you have to fill out this paperwork teachers hate it new teachers hate it and the mentor teachers hate it and then, then it's like just everyone hates it <laughs> yeah exactly and then it, then it's just more of a pain than than anything useful at all Right, and so that's why that that's why one of the solution suggestions is to make sure that BITSA is refocused to be all about mentoring. So, um, especially because they cite in the article that all many studies about um, retaining teachers show that successful mentoring reduces the attrition rate. That's sort of the number one thing. Right. But then part of if you're talking about mentoring, I don't have the number, but all the new teachers coming in, get you know, who have their credential or gain their credential, that's a lot of potential mentors you need. 
and to train them all, I mean, that's a huge, huge undertaking. Because you figure, because like you said, the Krista, the they kind of say, please, please just just sit in this meeting with me and and talk with me for an hour while we felt this paperwork as as the support. But I think that goes also to the funding piece. Like if mentors, if, if, if this is valued, if we know that this is what keeps teachers in the profession, then there should be funding for, for mentors to become highly trained and that encourage, you know, not just anybody who's willing to, you know, sign up, but encourage, you know, high, strong teachers, you know, exemplar teachers that can become mentors. Um, sounds sounding a little bit like trellis. No, totally. I agree with you. Totally sounds like trellis. Well, that one of the one of the tenets of the article was was if you want to have good mentors, you have to have some sort of way to compensate them monetarily. But it doesn't have to necessarily be monetarily. But it has to. There has to be some sort of incentive to to create a cadre of good mentor teachers. And I think the other piece about it, and because we are teachers, is it it's not just monetary. I think that a big piece for mentor teachers is, and I think that a part of the reason why we're all you know, involved in Trellis is because we understand that this is a good way to push our own practice and become better at what, what we do. And so that's a, other, a whole other huge piece. So how, how is a mentoring program benefit the mentor also? Right, not necessarily monetarily, but just in, just as a profession, professional. Yeah. yeah, and the networking and the collaboration and like so. There's other pieces too that go into you know making a mentoring program valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's go ahead. Yeah, valuable, you know, for the mentee, but valuable for the mentor, and also attractive for a mentor to become involved in. As a kind of a side issue from what we're directly talking about. Um, in this article and what we were talking about over the weekend and in, in the, this article, they're talking about pathway, career pathways for teachers who want to be leaders, mm. who don't necessarily just want to go into administration. So creating mm. a good incentive and a good avenue for teachers to become mentors to new teachers is a way of extending. One of the articles talks about the lattice instead of the ladder of um, career pr- progression. So it's a way of showing leadership in teaching in a way that doesn't necessarily require you to go into administrative in, in, into administration, but you can still use what you've learned to be a leader in the profession. That's another good question. Why does one become an administrator? Yeah, we had that I asked that question today. yesterday. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean that's that's outside. Are you recording right now? Yeah. <laughs> well, because, well, no, because one of the things we were talking about in a conversation we were having over the weekend is how to as as teachers are becoming teachers and and people are and people in administration programs are becoming administrators to coordinate the two groups so that the pre service administrators understand what new teachers and what mentor teachers need in order to be effective teachers and an effective teacher mentors to make sure everybody's coordinated so that the administrators understand what goes into it to support the new teachers. So to be an administrator, you'd have to go through this mentoring thing? This no, like some you just, sort of mentoring program first? Because then well, you would have that, that better idea. maybe that would be a good idea. Maybe, yeah. But yeah. Just, and it, just having within administrative programs, having a conscious 
awareness of how do you support teachers so that everybody, so that teachers are being mentored. So. And there's a whole yeah, piece of thanks. mentoring administrators. Yeah. There's, there's like a bit of for administrators. Yeah. I was talking to one of our vice principals about it. Yeah. But you, you have a smaller field to choose from. Yeah. As opposed to a whole faculty. Yes. Well, and that speaks to mentoring in general. Like, if we look at administrators who we think are strong or we look at administrators who we think need more support or aren't strong administrators yet, where do they, like you're saying, where do they get their support? Where do they get their mentoring? Because that's needed too. What's the quality quality control for m- mentors of, of um, admin, I wonder? Just like the quality control for mentors of teachers, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. To be where people to wear the sticker, like <clears throat> inspired, mentored by, <laughs> mentored by the person in room J. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, like when you get it in, like a like some the couch cushion or whatever, inspected by number four, <laughs> mentored by room F nine. Room F nine. Well, so one of the very one of the very last things in the preparing world class teachers, um, it talks about giving new teachers a partial workload in their first two years. Trellis. 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 Yeah. To give new teachers opportunities to observe experienced teachers, to give them time to plan, and to help avoid burnout. Yeah. There we go. Spin What is now